Hi, I'm Leslie Adamas, and welcome to Race Forward, a weekly podcast on God and race relations. This is a progressive, faith-filled conversation that will anger you, encourage you, and equip you. Thanks again for joining us today. You picked a great day to listen in. Here is my friend and the host of Race Forward, Pastor Chuck Allen. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Race Forward, God and Race Relations. Today, me and Karan are flying duo, and so I'm glad to have my co-pilot on board, my friend Karan Boston. Give us a good word today, Karan. The word of the day is do. And the reason why that's the word of the day is because I just decided to make that up. Y'all go do something today. Come on. I like that. I like that. I, as a matter of fact, I've, I finished rereading a book last night, Karan. I've been dealing with a little, uh, been dealing with a health problem. And so I'm all jacked up on steroids. So I found if I sound like I'm on speed today, it's because my doctor, Dr. Einstein, believe that my, the okay, name doc- of my doctor is Dr. Einstein. Uh, has got me so full of steroids uh, to help my my respiratory stuff that I might be on overdrive today. So I reread an entire book last night called Your One Thing, right? Mm. And uh, I there's so much out there that we could talk about. But our one thing today is to be able to talk a little bit about the presidential election and mm-hmm. its connection to race in a in maybe a, a different way than many people have heard, especially from the pundits, whether you're on a left wing, you know, leaning site or a right leaning site. Yeah. I think I think all of those pundits are looking to point fingers. We're trying to look at this and say, but what is what is the relationship, whether it's urban, suburban, or rural, what does it look like when you just put the whole mashup of the American populace together? And what did we learn? And there's some pretty telling stories inside of there, aren't there? Yeah, man, there's definitely some telling stories. I feel like uh, the election, buddy, it it really was something that just highlighted what was going on in the heart of our country. Um, And I know a lot of people are affected by the results. There was a ton of stress around what am I going to do at the poll? Yeah. Um, But the, the beauty of it all, and I do say there is a beauty of it all, is that there's still one king. There's still yeah. one king in our book, y'all, and we're gonna get to talking about that later. Yeah, my, you know, my my friend Karan and uh, our our typical third part of this show, Mal Manessis, they lead a group uh, that meets at our church on Thursday evenings called Race Forward. I joined them last week for a convo, and you know what? What we're talking about today is a bit of that was kind of a microcosm of what we're talking about because the group was kind of all across the board. You got white people, Latino people, Asian people, black people. You had a little everything in the room and mm-hmm. listening to listening to them talk. It, what, here's what I love about our church is that one church, one Lord, one savior, one King. And yet you could have differing opinions without losing your sanity or your testimony. I mean, how, how crazy is that? You know, that's true. Yeah. And that's gotta happen. Like the whole point of that group wasn't, Hey, who'd you vote for? So I can be mad at you. Like, right. No, the whole entire point was, uh, how does this election affect your people so that I know when I go to a poll next few years, I know how to think in a way that either helps me uh, process how I'm going to love my neighbor yeah. or at least gives me enough information to know um, that if I need to give here for for my neighbor, then I can do that or not. So it's like it, it was really more just about, man, 
um, giving everybody a 360 view of what goes on in your world whenever yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to walk to the pole. Yeah. All right. So normally, Karan, we throw out just a little light segment to get us started. So here's a question I got for you. Tell me something that uh, in your culture, because I mean, let's face it, you you are definitely a black dude. I'm looking at you right now. I mean, you you are definitely black. And I'm happy in my skin, man. I know you are. And you know what? I'm happy with your skin. That's, that's the cool <laughs> thing. So having said that, what's something in your culture that you you eat on a regular basis that I think people either use stereotypically or uh, might say, Mm-mm, not me, I ain't eating that. What is it? Chuck, there's 20,000 20, people out there that just heard you ask me that question and is waiting for me to say fried chicken, but oh, I'm, not going, I'm not going Thank there. Thank you. Thank you. Because honestly, I know that I, I can destroy me some fried chicken, man. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't get this way me eating too. boiled broccoli. Yeah, but here's the deal. I, I, there's people, man, that that I mean, obviously, I grew up with with a lot of black people, and so I haven't seen anybody else eat this dish, and I never touched it. It's called chitlins. You know what chitlins oh, is? Oh, let, let me tell you something. So my grandfather made chitlins, right? Now, do you uh, know that the proper pronunciation of that is chitterlings? You do chitterlings, know that? Yeah, chitterlings. we call it chitlins, but but it's chitlins, right? So I'll never forget, Karan, yeah. my grandpa. Uh, he's he's boiling these things. And of course, I'm asking why it smells so bad because I don't know if you've ever been around it when they're cooking. So my grandpa looked at me and he said, boy, you know how you cook chitlins? And I said, no, Pop. And he said, you literally boil the crap out of them because they are pig intestines. Exactly. So you literally boil the crap out of them before you fry them. Just you for the record. You the pot and threw it on the ground. Yeah, and not eating that. Anything that smells that bad is not getting past my nose into my mouth. That's not going to yeah. happen. If somebody's cooking chitlins within uh, a thirty-mile radius of you, you yeah. want to go ahead and move. Like it's it's not gonna smell good. It's yeah, literally no, no, no. big intestines. They don't have sweat mm-hmm. glands. No, that's it's just all wrong. That, funk, that nasty, mm. you know, like just stay up in mm. there. And folks got the nerve to eat it. I know. And I'm calling my black folks out today. Y'all okay, so I do, I do have a question for you though, because in that same vein, do you eat pork rinds? Okay, I have eaten pork rinds. I, I love have. me some. I love me some barbecue pork rinds, bro. I really some do. Hot sauce on yeah, yeah, come on, help what me about out. You? Right there. What, what about you, man? What about your coach? So you know, white people for some reason like cold or at least not warm string beans. You know, mm. no, I'm not. I'm not talking about like. I'm not. I'm, I mean, the way I eat green beans is like they've been in bacon and butter, yeah. and you know, and when you eat them, they're soft and they're warm. But like white folks get those long stringy green beans, and they're kind of cold, and they put weird stuff in them, and it's like. I've never gotten that. I mean, I'm a soul food eater at heart. Give me chicken yeah. and waffles all day, every day. Yeah. Man, I ain't never heard nobody eating cold green beans. Yeah, that's, that's wrong. Different. That's wrong. I mean, you go to so many fundraising dinners, and it's like rubber chicken and cold green beans. And I'm like, no, I ain't giving yeah. any money that. Uh-uh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, there's a disparity in how we eat food. So Clearly. if there's a disparity in something that small, then there's going to be a big disparity in something as big as how we vote this time around. Well, you know what's interesting about the vote? Quran is that um, it is a snapshot of the polarization of America, not just in how we vote or our politics, but how we think. Mm. And Tell me how that. So, so you know, I, I live by this theory, and I have for a long time since a fellow really invested in me and said, "Chuck, we people who claim to be evangelicals, we know how to work together. Like we can go on a mission trip and come back singing kumbaya, putting a thatch roof on a hut, right?" 
Mm -hmm. But you take that same group of people and put them around a boardroom and ask them to think together. They're going to fight like cats and dogs. Oh, yeah. So, you know, part of the problem is we know how to do things together. What we don't know how to do is think together, because wherever you have people that are thinking, you're going to have diverse thought. Wherever you have diverse thought, you're going to have some type of dissension or Mm. some type of, of, of difficult challenging interpersonal relation, right? Well, to me, that's the snapshot of this, especially when you look at how evangelicals voted and you look at how black versus white or people of color voted. Yeah, uh, yeah. probably in this and the last election as well. Yeah, yeah, because it was true in 2016. I think in 2020, given everything we've experienced in this really weird year, highlighted it even more. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, even even you and I are the only two people on the on the podcast today, but we voted differently, you know. Uh, yeah. But how weird is it, though, that there's not one ounce of me that feels like I need to compel you to change your thought because we we are grounded in something that is more significant than our vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy, Proverbs tells us that the wisdom is in the multitude of counsel. Ooh. And uh, I, I, I just firmly believe that if you are in a situation where you're able to be surrounded around people and y'all think differently, that's not a slap in the face to anybody who feels like their thoughts um, should you know, that's yeah. not a slap in the face to, right. to diverse thought. Like diverse right. thought should be celebrated because it's going to eventually lead to a better solution rather than somebody going there and saying, my opinions are above yours. Why, right. why should I come in here and step down on your level? It's just silly. Which if you think about it, you know, I hear a lot. Um, I mean, I lean right on almost everything, right? I mean, you know, I'm a 61 year old white guy whose father is a former chairman of the Republican Party of the state. And so, I mean, naturally, that's that's my leaning. What I have learned in my life experience is that we throw things around about our founding fathers being birthed on Christianity, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, not all of that's true. A lot of that is hyperbole. Uh, yeah. what, but what we do know about it, though, was they did build this land on the ability to have free speech, free mm-hmm. thought and diverse opinion. Otherwise, they wouldn't have structured the government the way it is. Mm-hmm. And so. Uh, you know, the fact that we disagree is uniquely American. It's, it's, yeah. not, it's not black or white or Hispanic. It is uniquely American. But I think we ought to dive into a couple of these exit polls that came out of the election because there is some interesting info found there. It is. It is. Yeah, and, and look, like I was talking about, like one of the last elections, I remember reading out of the last election, uh, Trump versus Clinton, 20. 20- the 2016 exit poll stated that 81% of white evangelicals voted Republican, while 96% of black Christians voted for Democrats. And I was like, how in the world is it that we read the same Bible, have the same God, uh, but we have deferring values in what we want out of a candidate to yeah. lead yeah. the country? Well, if you if you think about it, Quran, I mean, seriously, if you took those 2016 exit polls, and then you look fast forward past Hillary and Donald and got mm-hmm. to Donald and Joe, then yep. what we would find that white uh, evangelical Christians, 76 percent voted Trump again. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, I mean, seriously, if we if we just strip all of the, the political side, of, just if you could strip it all away and look at two people, I mean, mm-hmm. I think evangelicals, if you got past policies and platforms, would look at uh, at Mr. Trump and say, mm-hmm. you know, th- 
we don't want that guy to represent our faith. Right. Yeah. But then you get guys like me that say, well, I didn't vote for him to be my faith partner, you know, but, but still I, when I look at it and I mean, it's easier for me to say, but I, I think if there's anybody that wants to look in the mirror and say, what happened to the Trump election campaign? I honestly would say, well, Mr. Trump, look in the mirror. I mean, just letting Trump be Trump cost him the election. Because yeah. because one of the things that uh, the exit polls show is uh, while while the uh, while the Republicans bragged a lot about bringing on more Hispanic voters, they mm-hmm. really didn't bring uh, a significant enough number to make up the difference in people that mm-hmm. said no, thank you. Right? No, no. And and I here here's something that just stood out to me, man. And and that is the fact that uh, a lot of you know. I'm, I'm just going to specifically speak from a black context, but a lot of the black folks I talk to about this who are believers, who are followers of Christ, like look at the uh, look at the character of President Trump and they go, how can you vote for a leader like that who obviously is not valuing the Imago Dei. And so the image of God, if you're, if you're not following. And so the image of God in all people. And so when we are uh, in a situation, man, where there's a, uh, there's a mass difference between how people are seeing the election. I told you last time, Chuck, um, that I noticed that black folks tend to vote based on the person. Right. Um, and, and, White folks, to my understanding, are able to vote based on the policy, and so I think there, I think there's some man, truth to that. I really do. I think there's some truth to that. Yeah, and and I think the truth is because for for black folks coming up in America, the policies, although sometimes made some things different, the policies weren't really our our saving grace. Like no, mm-hmm. obviously, none of us are saving grace. Crisis, but you have. People who will say, "Okay, we'll give you the right to vote after a long, <laughs> a long process," right, right. but then at the at the same time, we'll give you the right to vote, but we're going to create all kind of policies to make it hard for you to vote, or I'm going to, you know, I'll have people stationed outside of the vote voting booths and the voting offices like to intimidate you. So like it was more so that the person wasn't communicating to the nation that we are done with racism. We are done with systemic racism. Yeah, I think there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. And listening to you talk, this is is kind of at the heartbeat of where I find the tension in America, Mm -hmm. you know, because I found it, just like you described, uh, I'm 61-year-old white guy. I found it easy to vote for uh, the Trump administration's policies Mm -hmm. in even when it came to race, right? So yeah. we have this diverse look at that. But I think the thing that really gives me pause in all of it is when I hear you talk, because I've invested in knowing you, I hear and see a reason whereby without knowing you, I would have no clue. So as a result, the easiest thing for me to do is point a finger at you and say, well, you don't know what you're talking about. The, the mm-hmm. diff- it's not about whether you know what you're talking about on either way. It's how yeah. you see the issue. Last week in your group, I heard Mal Manessis make this statement, and it was a massive aha for me. Mal is uh, El Salvadorian, uh, has ministry all over uh, South Latin America, and just, I mean, genuinely just one of the greatest guys on the planet, right? 
And so uh, Mao knows who I voted for. I know who Mao voted for. And I look at this and I, Mao said, I had, I had a really hard time. I couldn't vote for a man who kind of blanketly described my people, brown people, as uh, rapists, murderers, and drug dealers. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't believe President Trump meant that with a broad brush. I really don't. But also because he never took time to put it into context, that is what he got painted with. Agree. He never took time to clarify what he was talking about. So right. everybody hearing that, that looks like that thinks, well, yeah. shoot, you're yeah. just going to talk about us like that. That's language of somebody yeah. who is racist. Uh, if you go back a couple of years to the incident in Charlottesville. So if I'm black and I hear his response now, I think I I mean, I've listened to the tapes. You've listened to the tapes. You look back and I, I think to myself, because you never took the time to clarify. Mm-hmm. You lost a big segment of that vote. So if I yeah. get to know you, then I can honor your decision because I know you. Right. Yeah. And That's to me, it. this is the issue. Yeah. If he never and I told I've told friends this, if Donald Trump never said or did anything that seemed overtly racist, he would have won the election last year and this year by a landslide, landslide. with no, no debate. Doubt. But with no debate, but you just simply can't call guys like Colin Kaepernick before George Floyd issue. You can't call him a SOB and say he needs to be fired. Right. And then on the right. same token, say there's good people in Charlottesville who just ran over somebody uh, for protesting against white supremacy. Then you can't turn around and uh, be the same guy who pushed for the um, – the death penalty for innocent Central Park Five, and then mm-hmm. say you wish mm-hmm. Lane Maxwell well. Like you just can't do those things and not be seen in that light. But if you no. never did those things, bro, you walking away with this thing, you might get sixteen years out of the presidency. See, See this what, is this that's is the is. thing that I think is the heart of today's episode, and the heart of today's episode is about the heart, right? Mm. Because. Um, by context, pre-coronavirus, pre-George Floyd, uh, I can remember just literally a couple of weeks before coronavirus and George Floyd's murder, then what I remember watching the State of the Union, and you would have thought America is on top of the heap. I mean, we're, things couldn't be better. And then yeah. it was almost like America was like the people of Israel and uh we, we just decided, hey, we're going to build our own tower and we're going to follow whatever God we want to because we don't need anything. And I think mm-hmm. the Lord just allowed all this to say, wait a minute, whoa, 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 this is not how we're going to function. And yeah. let me be so bold to say, you know, as a uh, as a pastor, I look at the results of the election and I even would see that God will uh, will use what he has allowed to regain the attention of both Republicans and Democrats and people of color and people that are white to say, I am supreme and I alone am supreme and you're going to learn to trust on me. And Mm -hmm. we are just the people of Israel, aren't we? Yeah. We always find ourselves in a similar position than the children of Israel. Like we, here's a, here's a problem. Here's the problem I see Chuck is we want a leader, not God. Yeah, that's we want right. A leader who is not God. And obviously the character of all men is going to be flawed. It does not it does not matter uh what their um what what their stance is 
on gun laws. It don't matter yeah, what their stance is on. I'll go there. Abortion. Like there is going to be a leader which might appear to be better for some, but it's going to be have flawed logic in the way in which they process other things. Why? Because we are fallen people. That's slave right. to sin. And, and unless we are born again believers with the Holy Spirit literally making every decision in our lives, which we all know we all struggle letting the Holy Spirit make every decision in our life. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be this kind of issue. So let, before we get gone, though, I want to make sure we touch on this one exit poll that I think is so telling and disturbing, honestly. So an exit poll <clears throat> asked, what's the most important issue to your vote? All right. So this was asked to Biden voters and Trump voters. And the mm -hmm. question is, what was the most important issue to your vote? And here were a couple of the categories, racial equality, coronavirus, the economy, crime and safety and health care. All right. And I think that kind of summarizes uh, mm -hmm. America, wouldn't you? I mean, I think that's pretty, pretty accurate. So Trump voters in the exit poll said that racial inequality only only mattered to their vote 7%. I mean, only 7% of Trump voters said racially inequality was an issue. While mm. Biden voters, listen to this number, Karan, 92%. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm Even I can do that math. That's an 85% swing in vote. That's that's tragic. Yeah, that's but tragic. but it's tragic on both. It's it's tragic on on both sides because if you think about yeah. it, um, I don't literally. You could be Ray Charles and see that we have racial inequality, right? <laughs> or Stevie Wonder, yeah, either one, right? I mean, <laughs> Helen Keller. I don't care who you want to pick, yeah. but at the end of the and, day, how could only seven percent? But I think the seven percent we're saying, and this 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 is bothersome to me. That seven percent of the people that voted the way I did said race has no bearing on this, and mm -hmm. that tells me that we have problems. If you took the yeah. if you took the next category, Karan, I'm going to put these two together in a minute. Eighty-one percent of Biden voters said that coronavirus was an issue, a significant issue in how they voted. Only fifteen percent of Trump voters said that. It's mm -hmm. interesting how you take the correlation of people in color and how coronavirus has affected them and their communities versus mm -hmm. uh, white voters. And you put those two hand in hand and you say, well, that's where you lost the election, Mr. President. Mm, I feel you. And look, I'll just say this, man. We, we probably ought to talk about this one day, but like I can imagine the reason why coronavirus was a big deal for people of color is because here's the deal. We typically don't have jobs that we can work from home. You know what I'm saying? Wow. You know so what? When, That's a whole show right there. Yeah. We 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 don't typically have those kind of jobs. And I'm not blanket statement on, on anybody here, but I'm saying that when coronavirus took place, you saw the uh the statistics of of by race on who was contracting the virus more. Right. And just like everything else, right. It was affecting people of color more than it was affecting white folks. Because you can't just quarantine 14 days when you got a family to feed and you got rent to take care of. Yeah. But if you are in a situation where you can work from home, which is uh, a blessing. I was in that situation, praise God, where I could work from home. Now I can continue doing my job. I can continue to take right. care of my family and I right. don't have to worry about catching a virus. I think there's that's that's a significant issue. If you're in the service industry, uh construction industry, airline industry, 
uh, transportation industry, healthcare industry. Uh, you look at that and you say, okay, many of what we just described, and this is an interesting, another part of the exit poll, you're probably depicting more of a suburban slash urban voter, not a rural voter. Uh, mm-hmm. but, that's, but that may not be true either. But it's interesting that it flips upside down when it comes to the two categories of economy and crime and safety. So mm-hmm. when it came to the economy, 83% of Trump voters said that was, a, that was the most significant issue in their vote, where Absolutely. only 17% said that's true in a Biden vote. But if you compare that versus the first two, racial inequality, inequality and coronavirus, you look mm-hmm. at that and say that is precisely where the line was drawn mm-hmm. in race and voting in America. Yeah, And uh, I think this is something that both parties at some point will have to address. And this is precisely why uh, episodes like this and the kind of work we're trying to do for racial equality through the Mm -hmm. ministries of of our church are critical for us because the church cannot lay down and assume that this is going to fix itself through politics because politics is going to make this worse. But by getting God inside these racial relations, this is where we're going to find common ground. Because Mm -hmm. let's face it, isn't the goal to move beyond the division and find Mm -hmm. a point in which we can come together? Yeah. And I think if we are are not careful, we will communicate to people who are looking at the church to be its example of how we can love one another, serve one another well, and actually care about our neighbor. If we are not careful, we will communicate a message to them that if the church can't get uh, unified, then the nation never will. But here's the crazy thing about it. In John 17, Jesus said, the world will know that the father sent the son by what? Our oneness. Yeah, I mean, our oneness. It's up. It's up to us. It's not about a politician. It's not about a policy. It's not even about who sits in the White House. It's got to be about who's on the throne in our hearts, man. I mean, seriously, Karan, what you just said encapsulates everything we've tried to say for the last twenty-five minutes. Because we, you, and I both know that uh, President-elect Biden is. He doesn't sit on the throne. He just has the job of the president in the future. Mm -hmm. Uh, President Trump has the job of the president until January. But the Lord sits on the throne and the Lord is saying, and this is where I think race forward does have a word for everybody. And that is this. If you take a snapshot of Karan Boston and Chuck Allen, two generational different leaders, two cultural and racial different leaders who have found common ground to be able to recognize and understand that we're going to determine God is who sits on the throne, regardless of who our president is. And you and I, because we are making an investment to know one another, can make that common ground better, brighter, and more powerful across each of these exit poll issues. So that when we go to vote in the future, it won't have to be such a polarization of who we are but it, mm-hmm. it will become the fact that we are joint citizens of nations that are governed by the hand of God. I mean, we have yeah. a citizenry in heaven. It's kind of like uh, you and I talked about last week. Man, you are not defined by your vote any more than I am. As a believer, we must be defined by Jesus alone as our Savior. That trumps all of it, no pun intended. 
Yeah. Hey, no pun intended. I like that. Uh, and let me let me clarify, just for anybody who's been tracking along um, and wanting to know why we even look at the exit polls. We want to figure out, like, we want to put our brains to dis- to figure out why is there such a disparity in how believers are seeing elections. If you haven't noticed yet, the polls that we've talked about talk about the major differences in the vantage points or, or the way in which we are viewing things. Uh, I think, Chuck, you said, what, 90-something percent? 91 percent of people who voted for Trump did not think racism in America is a problem. Yeah. Meanwhile, 87% of people who voted for Biden thought that racism is most important right. as a problem. Right. People are coming from different vantage points because their life experiences are different. It, 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 there's people in the hood that I've heard say this, man, whether you vote blue or red, the hood is still going to be the same. So wow. they're, they're not really voting from an opportunity to gain economic uh, success or the, or the, or the, they're not really thinking about anything outside of, okay, who is going to on that stage tell people, stop yeah. treating me like I'm not That's part, right. That's of, right. uh, part of the Imago day. But all of that being said, y'all, even though there's different vantage points in the world, we as kingdom citizens have to recognize that the kingdom of heaven transcends every government on earth. Once you have been accepted uh, to the kingdom of God because you have declared Christ as your savior, you are no longer a part of this world. And if your kingdom, your kingdom citizenship is supposed to be prior, primary then the way in which you interact with those on this earth, the mm. way in which you do things on this earth should reflect that this is how it goes yeah. in the kingdom. It Here's should reflect a hearty that. amen right there, man. I was on the phone with a young pastor. I was coaching the other day and he said, how should I tell? He's got a church, about 300 people. And I said, he said, he wanted to know, it's predominantly white. Actually, it's probably 100% white given where the church is located. And uh, he said, how should I address my church about the, uh, the, the, the presidential election? And my, my statement to him was challenge them to understand where their true citizenry lies and recognize mm. that upon arrival in heaven, there will never be a vote because it'll be clear who's in charge. That's and, true. you know, line up with your citizenry for eternity now. And then let let your life begin to reflect that. If if you want to have an influence on today's world, let your life reflect the kingdom perspective. And all of a sudden, everything gets clear. So we're going to have to wrap up our segment today. But I hope that this has been encouraging to you, not deflating. I hope it's been something that you can find common ground with your fellow friends of all colors. And more than anything, that we might look deeply into racing forward and letting God get in the middle of race relations for the good of the kingdom, for the church, and for America. So as always, my friend, Karan, I'm grateful for you, buddy. And I'm grateful for what I continue to learn as we uh, travel this road together, because I love you, man. This is a uh, a very cool way to talk about what matters in America today. You want to send us off? Man, know that I love you as well. Guys, just be careful, y'all. Be careful of how you react to the presidency because it can very well show you where you put your trust. Ooh. And on, on January 21, 2021, we need to wake up as kingdom citizens saying, oh, well, instead of being doomed yeah. or, or, or yeah. gloomed. Like, we got to 
Get Back Kingdom Focus. Exactly. Love y'all. Good Can't work. wait to talk to y'all again next week. Till then, Chuck, tell them go in peace. All right, go in peace, y'all. <laughs>